Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, September 14th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, by the time everyone hears this in the regular feed at the latest, our first Q&A episode that we did exclusively for Patreon will be out. Some really fun conversations in there. I hope everyone enjoys that. It will be something we do probably once a month. We'll have at least three, if not four, Patreon-exclusive episodes every single month under our new plans on Patreon. Probably one of them, at least, will be a, a Q&A. So I hope everybody enjoys that. If you want to hear that, and if you want to contribute questions to our next Q&A, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon, and join us on one of the different tiers that we have there. We've put a little bit more definition onto what you can expect from all of those different tiers. So we uh, welcome you there and hope that you enjoy everything that we are doing. All right, Grace, let's get into the news. And the first bit of news is yet another Broadway show announcing its intentions to open during this season. And this is one that I really hadn't thought about for a couple months until a couple days ago. Someone said, oh, yeah, that's definitely coming in and it's going into this theater. And that is Days of Wine and Roses, the show that played off-Broadway at the Atlantic Theater Company earlier this year. It is a new musical that features a score by Adam Gettle and a book by Craig Lucas that starred Kelly O'Hara and Brian Darcy James back on stage together again after starring opposite each other and John Lithgow in Sweet Smell of Success on Broadway many, many years ago. The show will begin performances at Studio 54 on January 6th, ahead of a January 28th opening. As of now, it is scheduled to be a 16-week limited engagement. That would put it, Grace, pretty much through the Tony eligibility deadline, so perhaps they could extend it after that, Studio 54 is, of course, a roundabout theater company house, but they often rent it out to other shows. So it sounds like that is what they are doing here, as it is not a roundabout production. This is based off of a 1958 teleplay by J.P. Miller, who also turned it into a 1962 film. It centers on a married couple and their challenges with substance abuse. Again, played in Atlantic, uh, Atlantic Theater Company. And from everything that I've heard, Grayson, from the reviews that I read, the show is tough. It's, it's not only difficult. I know people who have seen this movie, and it's a, it's, a, it's a hard show to see. And it's one that I don't think people think it's a great show, but they think that the performances at the center of the show are pretty spectacular. Perhaps even Kelly O'Hara and Brian Darcy James's best work, even if the show itself doesn't rise to their level. That's really tough. I know that the subject matter was something that I did not feel like I could get through in this moment in time. But I think that if and when all, you know, the Broadway happens, of course, I, I probably need to go see it. But I know that, yeah, it's a tough subject and um, I'm, I am interested. I will say what, what I found also, uh, you know, with Atlantic, they have their own team and then, you know, coming to Broadway, it's a different team. The shift in at least like the, the messaging of the key art and all of that, like it gave me very much like a, a Mad Men type of vibe. So I'm like, okay, it, oh. it's set very much in the 50s. You know, of course, the title is Days of Wine and Roses. So I assume there was alcoholism and or substance abuse uh, involved in, in the, the uh, plot of the show. But I just thought it was interesting, the shift from Atlantic, which felt very dark and romantic and mysterious. And then when I saw the announcement today, I was curious about 
that shift, that intentional shift perhaps. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious. And, and again, like with all of these new shows, it is a real mixed bag about what's coming in the spring. Um, like it's, it's all over the place, which is exciting. Like it actually, I think it actually uplifts everything else on the street because what we're seeing is a real range of subject matters. And that, that's just an exciting season to me. This was actually something that I wanted to bring up. When you look at the new musicals that we know that are coming to Broadway this season, we already have had Back to the Future, uh, Here Lies Love, and we've had Once Upon a One More Time. The things that we know that are coming for sure, How to Dance in Ohio, Harmony, The Notebook, Water for Elephants, obviously now this, uh, Days of Wine and Roses. We also will have The Outsiders coming in the spring. We believe Limpica is coming because their casting notice says that they are coming uh, beginning in, in March with rehearsal starting in January. There are other things that would like to come in in this season. Everything from Wonderful World, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. I believe the Betty Boop musical would like to come in this year, perhaps swept away after its Washington, D.C. tryout might come in. You have talked about the fact that the Huey Lewis musical, The Heart of Rock and Roll, is still going through its process. Perhaps that could come in this year. I've also heard that the Shana Taub musical that played the public a few years ago, Suffs, is trying to come in this season as well. So a lot of different shows. Lots you say of, a few years ago. Wasn't this last year? <laughs> Am I crazy? Was it last year? No, it had to be 2021, didn't it? Oh, God. Maybe it was early that's the thing is I don't remember those. That's, that's, that's a, no, you're right. It was, it, well, I, split the difference. It was April, 2022. So a year and a half. So it was technically last year, but that feels like, I don't know, a decade ago, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, all of these shows, they're so different and eclectic. I, I don't know that any of them necessarily right now, other than perhaps Limpica stands out as a show that I'm like, okay, that is something that could be, best musical worthy, mainly because I, I there's so much about them I don't know. You know, I don't know much about The Notebook, How to Dance in Ohio, The Outsiders, Water for Elephants, because they had their out-of-town tries and I read those reviews, but I haven't seen a ton of clips or heard music. Obviously, How to, How to Dance in Ohio has done its EP, so I've heard that. But, you know, a lot of very interesting, eclectic things, Grace. And so I think that's exciting. It could mean a very, very crowded competition for the Tony Awards. And perhaps more importantly, for audiences to buy tickets. But it's fun when we've got a lot of shows. That's, you know, we've been, you know, kind of bemoaning the fact that there's so many theaters that are open this fall, but with so many different things from so many different creators, so many different talented artists being involved, it's exciting. It, it's a little nerve wracking because there's only so many people and dollars to go around. But I would much rather have a full season than a, a not full season. All right, let's get into some show and casting news. Not a ton of big, big stuff coming after this, but this one we're going to go over to the UK and one of my favorite actors, Damian Lewis, along with Indira Varma, are going to lead a production of Noel Coward's London Calling at the Duke of York's Theatre coming this October. And begin performances on Thursday, October 5th, obviously of 2023. Interestingly enough, this show originally opened at the Duke of York Theatre on September 4th, 1923. So it is the centennial production of this show. I love Damian Lewis. I think he is fantastic, uh, both on stage and screen. So looking forward to hearing all about that one. Then over at A Beautiful Noise on Broadway at the Broadhurst Theater, the company is going to be welcoming in Shireen Babb to take over the role of the doctor, not to be confused with like Doctor Who, 
but she will be taking over as the doctor in the show, beginning performances on Thursday, September 21st. She will be replacing original cast member Linda Powell. And then if we head not only off-Broadway, but out to Brooklyn, it was announced yesterday that the Brooklyn Academy of Music will stage the New York premiere of the award-winning Polish play, Our Class. It will run from January 12th through February 4th and has a really fantastic cast, including Jack DeFalco, Tess Goldwyn, Will Manning, Stephen Oskner, Andrei Burkowski, Alexandra Silber, and Richard Topple. Uh, there'll be two additional roles that will be announced. This show has had a number of runs around the world, including an acclaimed world premiere at the National Theatre in London in 2009. The play follows 10 Polish classmates, five Jewish, five Catholic, growing up as playmates, friends, and neighbors who then turn on one another with life and death consequences. It's inspired by real events surrounding a horrific 1941 pogrom in a small village in Poland. Now, Grace, we know how much you love box office events. Were you, did I see something? Were you back at the box office at the Golden on Wednesday? Oh, um, yeah. So basically I was just chatting with some people um, after the show um, because famously, and I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the shark is broken. And that means that we need a new shark. And I wanted to ask a lot of people like, hey, if you were to audition for the shark, what would that look and sound like? So be on the lookout for that because um, we just like to have fun. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, here's the thing. The people that are coming to the shark is broken also love to tell us like how old they were when Jaws came out. And like, I love hearing that this is such a touchstone for so many people. And that's like the reason that they are coming to the show. And it's, it, I really love connecting to the audience in that way. So that was, I was basically running an ECC for uh, the shark outside <laughs> of the shark is broken. So Bernie Telsey, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick. What is the deal with like holding the tiny mic? Like everybody does that now. Is that just because the tiny mics are easier or is it like a thing? Is that a gimmick? Is that a thing? It's definitely a gimmick. And I think that, well, it's lighter, it's less costly, but also like people really like it. Like it's something about like how cute it is. It's like a talking point and gets people eased. It's not as, uh, not demanding, but it's, it's not as uh, intense as, you know, putting a giant microphone in someone's face. Understood. Understood. Uh, all right. So all of that aside, getting back to like the box office event type thing of it all, Bruce Sussman, who wrote the book, and members of the cast for Harmony, as well as Rabbi Jill Hausman from the Actors Temple, are going to be at the Barrymore Theater today, Thursday, September 14th at 1.30 p.m. to do a little bit of a Rosh Hashanah celebration. They will have a prayer, and they will have a little sneak peek into the theater. They will have some... Uh, some food for folks. So very cool thing to tie in not only to the to the holy day, but also to get some people into the theater and hopefully potentially buy tickets. They've done a really good job, I think, with Harmony of kind of getting people to the box office, Grace. They had that really fun event at the beginning where you could go in and meet Barry and Bruce. So another opportunity for them to bring people over to the theater before it get, begins performances on October 18th. All right, Grace, I have a ton of recommendations here. So let's start with, okay, let's start with this one. I, I watched this video and it was very difficult for me because as I was watching this video, they were so many quick cuts and it's a little dark and I couldn't see everything, but I was really trying to discern 
which person with a beard and a beanie was F. Michael Haney because there were so many of them that I couldn't tell. It's a lot of people saying I'm I'm calling it um, disciples in different fonts. Uh, because there's so many (laughs) that that look really similar. And I don't know if you know this, but Brandon Ellis, who is in the show, who could play uh, siblings with F immediately. Did you know that Brandon Ellis, as a joke in a 54 Below show, because F was at a gunquit playing um, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, they did a moron show with Alex Brightman, Andrew Cober, and Drew Gasparini, where Brandon played F (laughs) on stage. So if you YouTube that, you you are not far off to say that those two are spitting image and um, Brandon Ellis has played F. Michael Haney in a concert before. So uh, it's very funny that you say that. This is our first show together though. So is Brandon Ellis the one with the- Beard and a beanie? Beard? Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. There are multiple people with beards and different hats, but there was one with like mm-hmm. a beard and a beanie and had like a red beard. So I wasn't sure. Is that Brandon? It's probably or Rob Morrison. And if you know, um, that is Lauren Molina's uh, of the Skivvies partner. And Rob Morrison worked, um, was in the cast of Assassins. So it's a lot of John Doyle favorites. It's a lot of bearded people from the South. They're both from the Carolinas and then F is from Georgia. So it's, there's a lot of continuity there for sure. Yeah. Lots of people, lots of beards. Lots of beanies. Uh, all right. Anyway, so there are highlights from the musical The Twelve at Good Speed Musicals. We will have that in the show notes. The next one is a very cool thing here, and it is the annual um, Time 100 list of the most influential people in the world. And among them, there were a number of stage favorites included: Alex Newell, Stephanie Shu, Rachel Zegler, Paul Meskel, Corey Hawkins were all in there. They all have like a, somebody cool and famous right to uh you know the introduction for each person for hawkins it was written by susan laurie parks who obviously wrote the play um top dog underdog that Corey hawkins was in on broadway last year mary steenburgen wrote the one for alex newell because they were both in the tv show zoe's infinite playlist rachel zegler's was written by west side story co-star rita moreno natasha leone wrote the one for stephanie shu which is Amazing because everybody loves Natasha Leone. So check all of those out. I'll have those in the link. All of those people very, very richly deserve for that honor. But yeah, I think that, that that's so cool that so many, not just theater people, but young theater people uh, are on the list, Grace. As we all know, I would die for Stephanie Shue. So this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. So Grace, remember when you, me and Ashley Hufford talked about theater camp? And you went in a a little bit on a deep dive into the visual joke that they had about Annie at 54 Below. Do you remember that? Of course I do. I remember like it was yesterday. Yes. So uh, because Theater Camp is getting ready to arrive on streaming this week, there is an exclusive clip over at Broadway World of the deleted scene of the Annie parody. So it's an all-new exclusive bonus feature that'll be a part of like the DVD release and all this stuff, but it, it has more of the Annie of it all at 54 Below. So if you listen to our coverage of Theater Camp, which you should, if you haven't, you should go back and find it in the uh, in the feed, and then come back over after you hear Grace describe this joke and check out this deleted scene from the film. And then the last one, Grace, this one is very cool. I'm still not 100% sure how they're going to do do this timing-wise. But 
yesterday, the Broadway-bound musical A Wonderful World released a video of, I, I don't know if it was an official press preview or if this was something they filmed to give out, but it is of Tony Ward winner James Monroe Iglehart singing the title song in full Louis Armstrong voice. And they are still getting ready to do performances in New Orleans and Chicago next month. He's also got Spamalot coming up. So I'm not sure how this is all going to work. Obviously, he just did the show in D.C. So maybe there's some allowances being made for him for rehearsals and stuff. But what I thought was most interesting about this, Nick Walker, James Iglehart's good friend and co-star in Spamalot, said something to the effect of, because they have this rivalry, which we've talked about before, but like he said, I can't even act. Big Brother is coming for everybody this award season. So that almost made me feel like Wonderful World is another one of those shows that's going to be coming in on Broadway uh, with all of those other musicals that we talked about. I have not heard any definitive plans. And obviously, James is with Spamalot into the beginning of, of 2024. But he sounds great. Sounds very Louis Armstrong. And uh, this will be very interesting to see not only how they break up the schedule for James this fall, but what happens if he bounces from a revival of a musical into a new musical and potentially could be nominated against himself in the Tonys. Between that and No Name Lancelot, who knows what's going on? <laughs> it's exciting. That's right. I, I forgot we haven't talked about No Name Lancelot yet. They still have not named an actor to be playing that part on Broadway yet. So we'll see. Lots of funny stuff. But, you know, it, w when stuff like this happens, Grace, when it is kind of a last minute announcement, maybe sometimes people that you want are booked, you've got to either move on to somebody else like they have to do with Rob McClure or you get a little flexible. And it seems like they are probably going to be doing that with JMI and potentially whoever ends up being Lancelot. There's going to have to be some flexibility because they haven't even announced who that is yet. And I imagine that we're getting fairly close to whenever rehearsals begin. So uh, exciting stuff. But nonetheless, the video of James singing uh, as Louis Armstrong is very cool. Uh, and I just hope that he listens to his at least Spamalot and DC co-star Alex Brightman on how to get that gravel in your voice without actually hurting your vocal cords, since Alex has a lot of experience with that, both in School of Rock and Beetlejuice. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me pretty much everywhere at Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social medias at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Thursday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>